There will be no poppycock present today. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, hello, lovely. Today we are going to talk about an Instagram post that I shared about a month or so ago that really struck a nerve. The amount of comments, saves, shares to your Instagram stories, DMs, so many conversations that came out of it that I've been wanting to discuss it deeper here. And then I had a unrelated conversation with Jeremy where I realized there was really a crossover here. And what I was sharing on Instagram was uh, for us to think about how we are affecting others. And the conversation I had with Jeremy then made me think about how we're affecting ourselves. And I really appreciated that because when I wrote the post, I thought, I'm talking about something that I'm not doing to other people. I'm observing it happen, but it's not really a growth point for me. And when I had the conversation with Jeremy, I realized, oh, no, wait, this is actually totally a growth point for me. It just shows up a little bit differently. So I believe there is something in this for all of us, and it's going to bless us as individuals with how we deal with our own anxiety around time, and then also the often unconscious impact that we have on those around us who we are living in the same house with or we're just having conversations with, our work colleagues, our families, our friends. So to start, there's a little bit of a bonus topic. So the post that I shared was my reflection after having spent a few weeks in California with my family, with my very adorable brand new baby niece that I am seriously so obsessed with, I cannot even tell you. And I noticed during the weeks that I was there how often I would get a DM saying something along the lines of, oh my gosh, you guys have baby fever. Jeremy totally needs a baby. You need to give that man a baby. You guys are going to be the best parents. Is this making you guys want kids? It seems like you guys are, you know, have baby on the brain. And one element of that that I want to touch on is I am aware through so many of my girlfriends how sensitive the topic of having children is. Now, it's not something that I am sensitive about. I have never been pregnant. I have never tried to get pregnant. But I've had so many friends struggle with infertility, miscarriage, um, long, long adoptions going on behind the scenes, a, a myriad of things. And so the first just little bonus topic I want to touch on is noting that those comments being made to Jeremy and I, we could behind the scenes have been going through any of that. And how painful to say to someone if we were going through years of infertility, it just like, you know, you really should give that man a baby. That's that's pretty intense, right? If you said that to a woman that you didn't realize had gone through multiple miscarriages and was actually feeling so much shame and hatred to her body for the fact that it couldn't do this thing. And then you, you you feel like you're just making a lighthearted comment on how cute Jeremy is with the baby. But I just really think it is such a sensitive issue for so many women. And it's something we are so used to commenting on in culture. When are you going to have a baby? Do you want to have a baby? You guys should have a baby. You'd be great parents. And I think that it's just a great reminder for us 
not to live in fear and walk on eggshells, but I think if you can just really take in some stories of people in your life that have struggled with that and be like, you know what, that is such a sensitive thing. I would never want to like poke a wound that's tender unless I'm having a very authentic conversation with someone. If you're sitting down with a girlfriend and you're over lunch, you're talking about the future and you're like, you know, are, is is a family something you guys – are thinking about like I'm even conscious now of the the way that I phrase it the, the way that I just did that is a family something you guys are thinking about do you think you guys might want a family someday there's a lot of openness to that question which allows for someone to say yes we're thinking about it without having to share actually we really want to and we've been struggling with infertility for a year but that feels super personal and I didn't really want to have to share that in this conversation with a colleague or in this chatty few minutes at the beginning of church or with this distant relative at the holidays. And so the really clear questions like, do you guys want to have kids? I mean, yes, we're stro- – do, do you know what I mean? Like it, it's still – you could still say like, yeah, even if you're going through miscarriage but it or infertility or whatever, but it's so direct, it kind of presumes there's going to be a next direct follow-up. Do you guys want children? Yes. Um, when do you think that – when do you think you want that? Now we're into am I having to share, well, we want it now, but we've been struggling, et cetera. So that's just a general thing that I – that came up out of this conversation that – I've been really sensitive about for years because I had a mentor way back in high school, way long before Instagram, long before all these bloggers and influencers and people talking about it publicly. And she shared, she was the church secretary. And um, so everyone at church knows them. Everyone at church loves them. She's talking to people all the time. And they were struggling with infertility for years. And she just said how often people would ask, when are you guys going to start a family? And she's like, I didn't want to share with 300 people at church, what we were going through. And so, and that's actually another great point of it. When when are you guys going to start a family? That is a very loaded question because then you, I, she's like, what do you say? If you don't want to share that you're trying and struggling, you can just be evasive and be like, someday, but it's just, you know, it gets weird. So bonus topic, let us all be extra cautious and sensitive with our words. But that also flows into the bigger topic which is rushing one another to the next season. And that's also what stood out to me in these comments was they were not celebrating and honoring the season that we're in right now, which would be you look like you guys love being an aunt and uncle, which actually is 100% what people were seeing on Instagram. They were not seeing whether or not we wanted to be parents. They weren't seen that we had baby fever. They weren't seen that we would be good parents. You actually don't know that. They were seen that we loved being an aunt and an uncle. But because we've now been married for about two years, we're in that season where people naturally want to rush us along to the next season. Okay, you've had the newlywed period. And I mean, you hear this from people when you're uh, when you're engaged, that it's like as soon as you say you're engaged, people ask, when's the wedding? Which is a very normal next question. It's not that people are trying to hurry you. But I heard so many friends when we were engaged comment on feeling this pressure 
that we can't even enjoy the engaged moment because everyone's questions are about what's coming next. And again, I ask that too. What do you guys think about getting married? It's a very logical next follow-up. So it's not to say that these are just horribly insensitive questions. But I realize specifically how often around marriage and family, we have an expectation that people are going to keep moving along to the next season. When you're single, people are frequently asking, are you dating anyone? When you're dating someone, is it serious? Do you think he or she is the one? Do you, are you guys talking about marriage? When you're engaged, when, when is the wedding? Um, as soon as you get married, are you guys having kids? As soon as you have a kid, are you guys having a second kid? Like, And specifically, I realized that that area, we so expect people to move forward and that area is the one that people are the most sensitive about. I mean, it is just exhausting when you are single being asked if you're dating anyone, if you're seeing anyone special, et cetera. Now, I was incredibly blessed. Um, My parents are just not like that. They would never ask me if I was dating someone. They figured if I was dating someone and I wanted to tell them, I would tell them. So I didn't get that pressure from home. I don't have nosy relatives. I don't know, like my aunt wouldn't ask questions like that. That's just not the family I grew up in. But I have so many friends that dreaded going home for family holidays or it's just like, oh my gosh, they wouldn't let up around this pressure of, you know, you're starting to get older, the clock is ticking. And it's like, which do you not think that 27-year-old woman, that 33-year-old woman, that 39-year-old woman, that 43 do you think they do not know? <laughs> this is not helpful. So when you're in that stage of being single, it's very painful when people are trying to push you to the next season because many people want to be in that next season. Also, there are people that genuinely don't want to be in that next season, and it is frustrating to them to have to say, I'm actually enjoying working on grad school right now. I'm actually not sure that, I, that I'm ready for a relationship. And that may be very complex. They may be still trying to unpack growing up with an alcoholic father or a narcissistic mother. And they may be very wise for not yet being ready to you know, move into something. And um, then when you are dating someone, it can feel really intense if you've been single for a long time to wonder, are they the one? isn't going to lead to marriage. I I don't want to say these things out loud because what if they don't come true and I'm embarrassed or you know whatever. And then we talked about how difficult, you know, pregnancy can be and and all of that and how many factors there can be in that. Even in someone want, starting to have a second kid, it can be are they really struggling with whether or not they're loving being a parent to the first one? Like I have someone like this in my life that they're really struggling being a first-time mom. And I think any mention of the second one is sort of like, it is hard enough already. Can't I just be present in figuring out how this is without having to, in the back of my mind, also say, I am struggling with this so much and oh my gosh, then we're going to have another one and then I'm going to be in the same cycle. And then what if my husband wants a third and oh my gosh, this is the next 12 years of my life. Like that's not helpful. (laughs) So we can, there can be a lot going on in, you know, maybe the marriage isn't the greatest and they're not really sure if they want to go into that second family. So I think just realizing how often we assume Well, that's the way the story goes. That's what happens in culture. Everyone wants to be in love. Everyone wants to be in love now. Everyone who is romantically engaged with someone wants it to be the one. Everyone wants to get married. Everyone wants to have kids. Everyone wants to have multiple kids. And if, and also that we're so often asking about our desire. Do you have a desire or I'm assuming your desire? 
And I know from my own life and so many of my friends, so often you can have the deepest, most desperate desire. And that doesn't mean that it is coming forth in your life. You can very much want to be seeing someone special and still be single. You can desperately want to be a mother and it cannot be happening. So we ask about desire and plans in these areas in which so often we have very little control. And they actually are the deep, deep important things in life, which is why they we we care about them as friends and we celebrate them and we're curious about them but also why it can be so uh so painful when we ask about them and we do this in other ways too we say like you know you're so good at fill in the blank you should start a business doing it you should monetize it that artwork that you do you should start a whole company over there and so many people talking about can't we just love our art? Can't we just enjoy the thing that we do without needing to make it our career? Or maybe someone says, you love Paris so much, why don't you move there? And maybe those kinds of comments are encouraging. Maybe you're helping your friend dream bigger, see outside the box. Again, this is not to say that we should never make these kind of comments. It's just noticing how often do we make them, who do we make them to, and what's our real heart and intent in making them. Because the flip side is it also might not be allowing this to be enough. The idea that someone could love traveling to Paris twice a year or once a year and love that they love Paris, but not feel called to move there. That they don't want to live that far from family. They don't want to have to start all over. They don't want to learn a new language, whatever it is. So you could have someone that that maybe that friend needs you to encourage them and be like, I think you would love it in Paris. Like, have you ever thought about it? And they're like, well, I have this fear and that fear. And you're like, let me support you in that. Let me encourage you to like push past those fears. And to another friend in a similar conversation, it can be not allowing that it's enough to say, I have a city that I love and I visit it once a year and that's enough for me. I don't need you to to try to get me to feel like my present isn't enough. And so I think that's the question for us to ask when it comes to one another is, am I rushing someone in my life or do I naturally rush people around me to the next season as opposed to just celebrating what they are, where they are, who they are now? But then I also had a conversation with Jeremy where what came out of it for me was, does my visionary style the fact that I am a dreamer and a future thinker and the visionary, which is the archetype of the entrepreneur in essence, um, and the artist, does that lead me to rush myself to the next season? And when it came to rushing friends, I was aware, oh, I'm kind of commenting on this Instagram post about something I observe and I see. It's not something I naturally do. I think it's something a lot of other people do without realizing and I can speak to it. And that really resonated. But I also always really love it when I find what's the growth point for me in this. And the conversation that we were having between us was that I am a future person. One of Jeremy's best friends is a someone who lives in the past. He, in all their conversations, he's always saying, remember when, like, we did this in high school and we took this trip? He's always reminiscing whenever they catch up. And it's noteworthy to Jeremy because it's just different than his 
other conversations with friends that are more like, what are you doing now? What are you excited about in the future? This one friend is always living in the past, whereas Jeremy is much more in the present. And so oftentimes when we have conversations and I'm like, here's my thoughts for a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, it's not that he's resistant to that, but I also in smaller ways, like I'm in Cabo, Mexico, and I'm thinking about the next trip we're going to take to Cabo. I'm thinking about the friends that I want to bring to Cabo, the people that I want to bring back to this restaurant, the future trips that we're going to have. Um, in the moment, I'm also excited about, I'm literally at the restaurant thinking about how many years time I want to bring, uh, you know, my mom back to this restaurant. Like, I, I am living in the future, whereas Jeremy is just entirely in the moment being like, I'm just loving this restaurant. I'm just loving this moment. And so I started to wonder, do we all have our own anxieties based on which we are, a past, present, or future thinker? Because we are not all rushing to the next season. And are there pros and cons to all of that? So the person who lives in the past, I think their anxiety, their fear may be that things are never going to be as good. And to me personally, that seems maybe like the saddest of the personalities. But then also I think, well, but maybe that person is the happiest because they feel so grateful for what they had. They loved so much in their past. And yes, they're living in the past, but they're doing it positively and with gratitude. Although I guess as I say that, there could also be people living in the past that it is constantly negatives. It's how hard things were. It's the regrets. It's the opportunities that you missed. But I think if you were someone who realizes in, in listening to this today that you do very much live in the past. You love to reminisce and you love to talk about the good old days or you or you love to – maybe you don't love to, but you honestly, you complain a lot about I, – I know someone like this in my life who is in their 70s and talks about this frustration with their parents and this thing about growing up. And I'm like, gosh, that was 50, 60 years ago. And it's still something you're holding resentment over. And so I just wonder for that person, if you ask yourself, do I fear that it doesn't get better? Whether that's because I'm focusing on the negative things in the past and because I have this, all these negative things, I am still not going to have the life I want in my 70s because of something that happened to me in my 20s. Or do I fear that it doesn't get better in that that's why I live in the past. I love reminiscing about those stories. And I guess I'm I'm so focused on that time we went to Florence in college and how great it was, but that was 10 years ago. And I'm not thinking about, well, maybe I should go back to Italy again. And is that because there's a subconscious, well, I probably couldn't afford it. You know, we have three kids now and I don't think I could get away. So I have this secret fear that it it, it doesn't get better. And so I, I try to cling to the joyful things that I had, you know, in the past, whereas my Hillary experience tells me it does get better. And I've shared so many examples of that on the podcast of realizing that I feel anxious every time I move to a new apartment. I instantly am like, like I'm not going to love my neighborhood as much. I'm not going to – I'm going to miss my coffee shops. I'm going to – 
not love my apartment as much, whatever it is. And every time I've moved, I instantly am like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. And I have seen that in friendships and in in dating relationships and in uh, people quitting on my team, having to let people go on my team. Like just, I truly have seen, I believe that it gets better. And I think that those of us who live in the past, also, if you're looking over your shoulder all the time, you don't have as much of a vision forward. It is much less likely that you're going to start the business, lose the weight, save the money for the trip, do the personal growth because you just don't have as much of your energy, as much of your your mind space focused on forward vision. For the personality that is present, like Jeremy, I think in some ways there could be anxiety because you can't picture the future. You just might struggle to be like, I just don't, I can't see where I would be in three to five years. I can't imagine having left this job to, you know, do my own thing. And so, because I was thinking, I was talking with him about, I hear from so many people that want to be entrepreneurs, but they haven't done it yet. And they haven't really fully taken the leap. And I wondered if some of those people might be present thinkers where they just, they don't quite know how to go out and say, here's where I'm going to be in five years. And it's going to take a while to get there. But it starts with small steps and it starts with a plan. And so I'm going to move my way there. Now, it also can be incredibly healthy to live in the present. I think all of these types have pros and cons, so to speak. It can be so healthy. It's everything that like meditation is all about is being in the present moment and not so much of our anxiety comes from fear and regret over things we said in the past or worries about things that are going to happen in the future. And when we really are present, it can be so healthy. Um, it also can be unhealthy. It can be uh, short-sighted and you know, living in the moment. There can be underlying anxiety because you know if you really sit down with your thoughts, you're not planning for the future. You're not saving money. You're not challenging yourself in your career. You're not you know, putting yourself out there and dating enough, whatever it is, because you feel really happy in the present moment. Um, but maybe that is holding you back from some growth that could be unlocked by, you know, the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal that helps you think a little bit more about the future. And then those of us that are future types, hand raised high over here, we can be very anxious because we aren't settled in the moment. And we can always be looking for the next thing. And that's where I really found my own growth point in this Instagram post about let's not rush one another to the next season. And I realized do I, though, rush myself to the next season? And I think specifically for me right now, because we are in a holding season. You know, I've had seasons where it was um, dating Jeremy, planning a wedding, moving homes, where there were future things to be excited about, to be excited about a wedding, to be excited about a new home. And we were moving into a next season of something. Whereas right now, we this isn't our season of having kids. It's not our season of leaving New York for wherever that is. And so I'm really challenging myself to enjoy this present season of being, is this just a New York thing? We call it dink here, dual income, no kids 
D-I-N-K. It's like the holy grail of like a, a certain kind of living in New York City where you have two two household incomes so you can afford to like live in the apartment that you couldn't afford when you had roommates and you needed multiple bedrooms. And so you live in a three bedroom, you know, further out in the city, whereas like you couldn't afford the one bedroom by yourself, but suddenly you're dual income and now you can afford the nice one bedroom and you don't have kids. So you also are not spending the money on the kids and you aren't spending the rent on, you know, the extra bedroom because you need the nursery or whatever. And so enjoying this season of being dual income, no kids in New York City, enjoying this season of living in New York City. And I think that there is that has partially been why I'm really working on slowing down and being present is because I'm aware that this is a season and I don't want to regret that I didn't take advantage of it. And I don't want to idealize, oh, we're going to be happier if we have a family. We're going to be happier if we move to Mexico. I want to also look back and be like, I loved that season when we were done with wedding planning, we were married, we didn't have a family, we lived in New York City, and I'm really clear about what I did in that time. And I'm not going to look back and say, I wish I had done fill in the blank before I had kids or when I was still living in New York City. And I think the tension here is, yes, we also want to dream and plan and vision cast. None of these uh, time perspectives, past, present, or future, are entirely bad. They all can have really beautiful elements to them. But I think it's about making sure that it's not the majority of your thoughts and your day. For me as a visionary person, as a future person, I also really want to challenge myself to work on being present. And I think back to that Instagram post, it challenges me that my being present also allows me to, and celebrating my present moment also allows me to celebrate the present moment for the other people in my life. And if I'm thinking about constantly about the next phase of what it looks like for us as a family or where we're going to live, then I'm likely to be pushing that energy on my girlfriends. Like, you know, are, are, are you dating anyone? Have you met anyone? What are you guys thinking about with kids? And so when my energy is, is forward, that can rush them a little bit or it can hold space for them to also vision cast because my being a visionary is why I started a business and how I've built this beautiful life for myself. And there's so many good things about it. And I think it's just cluing in for all of ourselves with this specific relationship, within this specific conversation, what energy is coming forward and am I blessing this person with my perspective or am I maybe swaying them by by my perspective. You know, I think that if we're rushing ourselves along, we may be doing the same to others. If you are not that future personality and you notice that you are past, then check that energy within yourself. You know, is it the majority of your conversations living in the past? It doesn't mean you can never reminisce or reflect on something, but do you notice, you know what, every time I talk to my daughter, I tend to really reminisce about past things and maybe I'm not just asking enough questions about what she's up to now or I'm not asking questions about her future and I could just test that out and see how it feels. And you present people like Jeremy, bless you. Um, I think that you are an incredible gift to us because 
it is very challenging to live in the present for many of us. Um, but I think there also make sure that there is enough forward growth and wanting to grow and noticing if there's any fear or anxiety that comes out of being that present person. And also that that growth, it doesn't have to mean growth in making more money or getting a better job or starting a business, getting a promotion, getting to the next life stage. You know, I think that so often when we talk about growth, it is more so associated with these mile markers that we can externally celebrate. I want to have growth because I want to get out of debt. I want to start my business. I want to get married. I want to have a kid. I want to whatever. But I think ultimately the the positive, the, the energy that we can all have in an ideal world is when we touch on all three of those about who we are as a human. So I do, when you go through the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, for example, we look at the past because I want to reflect on who I was six months ago and 12 months ago and everything I've been through through the last year because I want to learn from that. And seeing where I was helps me see repeating emotions that I really want to fix and repeating mistakes that I really want to shift. And it helps me see how far I've come. And oh my gosh, I'm not struggling with that anymore. What a thing to celebrate. I want to look into the future and know where I'm going and make sure that the the actions that I'm taking are leading me to where I really want to be 10, 5, 3 years from now. And I also want to be really present and know that it is the actions that I take every single day that help me grow from who I was in the past and get to where I want to be as a present. So we've been talking a lot about time on my Instagram stories and my realizing that time scarcity is kind of the root of everything for me. And so I would just encourage you to ask yourself today, which area of time do you live in most? What are the positives of that? How do you love that about yourself? What are the negatives, the possible downsides of that? How do you affect others around you with that, both positively and uh perhaps negatively? And how could you shift to a healthier balance, whatever that is for you? What could you borrow from these other time perspectives to give us a little bit more balance to truly find our own joy and help those around us do the same? Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately speaking of course again about time and time scarcity, is working on my schedule. So you may have heard me say that when it comes to the exercise of the wand, episode 60, one of the principles inside the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, my sea line, my circumstance, my situation, whenever I sit down to do that so often, is my schedule. And so time being behind, not being organized enough, not being as far along as I want. That's such a frequent thing. So I really have worked on crafting a schedule for myself in an in a new and different way. Just in the last, like, I, I kind of prepped this back in September, but I knew I wasn't going to have time to implement it. Excuse me, because we had so many things going on. So I kind of knew February, March is going to be my you know, sweet spot. So it's very brand new. But specifically what I'm loving is that I started reading a new book called Indistractable, 
when I say I started reading it, let's be honest, I actually started reading it a year ago. It was a book club book inside my Elegant Excellence Mastermind, and I only got through the first quarter. And in part, that was because I was so obsessed with what was in the book. I, like a nerd, opened up a Google Doc and started taking notes because I was listening to it on audiobook. So I didn't have anything to underline. And I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna forget this and I want to know this. So I only got through a quarter of the book, didn't pick it back up. It's been on my mental list. I just started again. So I'm still very new into it. I will share more about the book if I actually love it and recommend it. But what I'm loving lately that I felt really encouraged by in reading it is that most people do not have a schedule. Now, I'm not celebrating this, but it made me realize, oh, okay, this thing that I'm working on doing is not a common thing. It's a challenging thing. It's something that people feel constrained by. They've tried it. It hasn't worked. And the author says what is important is that a schedule is a fluid thing that is going to keep evolving. You're going to keep tweaking. You're going to have new insights. You're going to try something new. You're going to see what works better. And I loved the permission that that gave me because that has been so much of my journey. I feel like it's been a couple of years now of trying different things in my schedule, in my organization, and then them not quite sticking, it not quite working, or maybe I'm trying to focus on my schedule when in reality I'm just way overcommitted for this season, so no schedule is going to get me out of that. And so I think that it made me feel encouraged to hear how many people struggle with this and how few people do this, and that even someone who teaches this professionally says, this is not about making the perfect schedule and then just implementing it every day. It's knowing I'm going to get off track. I'm going to have a wonky day. I'm going to want to do something and still be resisting within myself. So I just feel encouraged right now in doing something new that it can be challenging, but it is worth it. And I am feeling encouraged. I'm feeling the most encouraged I ever have about my schedule, my organization, it has taken me many years to uh, get there, but I'm feeling very encouraged right now. So if you do have the Elegant Excellence uh, Goals Journal, I will share more about that in one of our upcoming workshops. If you do not have that, uh, swipe up and get on the waiting list for our summer collection when you can get yours and join us for those workshops. And in closing today, I wanted to read a brand new review that I'm so grateful for. Uh, MF Williams said, Honest, Joyful, and Inspiring was her title. She said, Hillary is always willing to share honestly in in real time her own growth and learnings in a joyful and inspiring way that cuts to the core of vulnerable truths. I mean, isn't this just so beautifully written? Cuts to the core of vulnerable truths and makes us realize we are not in fact alone on this journey of life. From friendship to fashion, entrepreneurship to personal development, and just general life and incorporating more joy, this podcast slash Hillary does all that and more. So I just wanted to say thank you so much to every one of you that have left a review. If you haven't yet, it would mean so much if you would swipe up and do so before you go on with your day. And then, of course, come over and hang out with me on Instagram stories while we conclude our beautiful journey here in Mexico and share all of the beautiful, gorgeous, magical, tropical things. I will see you there with grace and gumption. Till next Wednesday.